Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Tuesday, November 6, 2018, election day, and you know what that means. It's time to get nerdy, y'all. Welcome to episode number 80 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. I'm Lom, also known as Mr. Nice Guy, and I've got my comrade in gaming commentary here with me, the miggity 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 Mac, also known as Mac Shit. Mac, it's election day. How are things, and did you vote, my friend? Yes, I did vote. And things are good, or at least as good as they can be. Good, man. I'm glad to hear it. Dude, so I voted too. Oh, good. Yeah, I did. And uh, it'd be awkward if I asked if you voted and then I hadn't voted. Um, but to each their own. So anyway, I had an interesting experience at the polls, actually. Uh, there was this lady who was right in front of me in line, and... She was waiting. She was, I don't know if she was, you know, new to the area or what, but she had voted in Illinois before. And so she gave them her name and they spent a good 15 to 20 minutes trying to pull her up in the system. And they were asking ridiculous questions like, are you sure this is your real address? Like, are you sure this is the right address? Because we don't see you in the system. So after they typed her name in like 17 times and tried to find her all kinds of different ways, they just couldn't find her. And they said something to the effect of, you're going to have to re-register. Like, we don't know what to do. And she was like, you know what? I don't have time for this. And she just got furious and left, which really isn't funny because I can see how frustrating that would be. Um, but in the moment, the fact that they asked her if they if she had given them the right address was very amusing to me. This is like a 40-year-old woman. Obviously, she knows where she lives and knows her address. Clearly, the error is in your computer system. It's the Russians, Mac. It's the Russians. Um, so that was my poll experience. And then I was next. I voted, did my thing. And that was it, man. So anything you know, exciting? I have, or I have a somewhat similar poll experience, not from this most recent round of voting, but from the previous. Please. So... Um... Uh, Mr. Nice Guy, as you know, I ran for city council at one point in time yep. in my city. And uh, when we had voting, I went in. I decided that this particular year that I went in, I decided I was going to, you know, stand in line, go in, vote in person. Um, because here we can, you know, mail in the, the ballots. Anyway, point being is that I decided to go in in person because that was still an option. And uh, uh, I got there. And I went to vote and they're like, oh, I'm re and, you know, I gave them my address and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, you're not a you don't live in the city. I was like, I'm pretty sure I live in the city. They said, no, I'm really sorry. You were you, you must be a, you must live in the county because I do live in the sticks. But uh, and they were like, no, you must live in the county. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure I live in the city. Otherwise, they wouldn't have let me run for city council. So very valid point i've never heard a better argument yeah so why don't you just check it again and they checked it a second time they're like oh you're right you do i said yes yes i do indeed and then i went and voted but that was some, something ever so slightly they, similar they effectively said do you know where you live yeah you know what I so mean? are you sure that you live where you think you live uh, maybe it's like every seventh customer gets asked the question about if they know where they live. Which is ridiculous, because if you don't know where you live, you probably shouldn't be voting. Just a thought. Probably not. Yeah, just a thought. Well, cool. Um, on that note, Mac, do you have any other cool stories uh, from the week? Any interesting things happen? Things you want to share with the people? Oh, man. So many interesting things have happened this week. Um, 
So I've been I've I've just been working on a whole bunch of different projects, uh, including but not limited to. Um, I started it around Halloween, but I got busy with some other things. I was working on making a uh, costume, an outfit, a cosplay, if you will, for Dalton, the main character from Chasm, and. Uh, I wasn't able to complete all the stuff that I needed, wanted to uh, by Halloween, but I've just kind of been, you know, moving forward, uh, you know, getting this and that ready. I'm I'm currently building a, you know, building a sword out of, you know, out of foam, like I do with the, uh, with you know, with the stuff. And uh, man, Mr. Nice Guy, it's so much fun to do that stuff. But it just makes me wish that I had like uh, that I had better setups for crafting. Because at the moment when I do it, I just do it kind of in my living room, and it gets messy and da 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 da. But uh, but but oh well, I will I will stick with it and complete it. But but well, yeah. here's here's my question, and I forgot. You know, since the last time we spoke, Halloween mm-hmm. happened. Yes. Um, did you have trick or treaters? Did you trick or treat yourself? How did that go? Uh, no, I went to a friend's house for a, you know, for a Halloween party. Um, but we did not, in fact, uh, go trick-or-treating, nor did we have any trick-or-treaters come to our house. Once again, the sticks. Uh, but I did go dressed in my, uh, in my blue jumpsuit with my Stargate patches and my, uh, uh, and the FNP90, uh, the airsoft version. So I was, uh, I was from Stargate. Uh, which was, That's you know, it's awesome. pretty, pretty decked out. I do, I do like the Stargate uniforms, but yeah. So that's what I was up to. That How about good. you? It was good. Did you the know, kids get it... lots of tr- treats and uh, candy? Yeah. So we weighed the kids' candy, and I think after all was said and done, they got about fourteen, fifteen pounds um, hmm. candy, which is a lot for four little kids. Um, you know, here, here they have multiple opportunities for people to trick or treat. Of course, there's Halloween. Um, of course there is, you know, trick or treating at church, right? We do that. Um, downtown went trick or treating down there. They had a little parade, uh, where kids could trick or treat. And there was another one I can't remember. Oh, and then the kids went trick or treating at their schools as well. So they got way too much candy. Now I'm the father of the year, Max. So we did some trick or treating on Halloween night. I came home early. My neighborhood has a really, really realistic, acceptable way of doing it. They start trick or treating at about four o'clock and say everyone needs to be done by 7, right? So you don't have people ringing your doorbell at 9, 10 o'clock at night, you know, where your kids are trying to sleep. So we went out, we did some trick-or-treating, we came home, they already had too much candy. I said to my boys, I said, hey, do you guys want to go back out and get some more candy? And they said, yes, Dad, we do. So we went out and we got bonus candy, Mac. Uh, and, the, and the girls, my twin girls stayed home with my wife, they made the pumpkin-shaped pizza that we do as a uh, a tradition on Halloween and me and the boys went out and got more candy so we got way too much candy it was a good Halloween nice I got absolutely no candy yeah we're gonna be rationing but, that out for the next year yeah unfortunately that's what happens when you get old you don't get candy on trick on Halloween anymore oh one other really uh, really interesting thing Mr. Nice Guy these my old headphones yeah uh, they they went kaput, or at least one of the ears went kaput, and so I ordered uh, a new pair, which I've got now. Um, however, I feel a little bit sad because I've got a sort of uh, signature look where I put the right 
you know, where I put one of the ear cups above my my other ear and I tend to yeah, I tend to just kind of stay that way because, you know, I like to hear what's going on around me and not be quite so cut off. Yeah. But these new ones don't do it, so I'm a little bit sad. It's going to take some adjusting for sure. But Gotcha. Well, Matt, that's on... all the noteworthy stuff. No, that's fantastic. I could come up with more stuff, but I say on that note, we do what we do best and we hop right into the gaming news, my friend. What do you think about that? Let's do it. Episode 80, here we come. Dude, we're 80% of the way to 100 episodes. What are we going to do for episode 100? I don't even know. We're going to have to figure that out. Um, But let's look at some gaming news. I'm also looking at car stuff here. We're not going to talk about the cars I'm looking at. Um, But let's talk about Microsoft to start things off. So this is on GameSpot.com. Microsoft is talking about their big Xbox event. It says, Microsoft is promising big news for its Xbox presentation taking place later this week. The XO18 event will take place November 10th and 11th in Mexico City. And a teaser from the company has given us an idea of what to expect from the show. A tweet from the company named three games that we'll see at the show. Player Unknown Battlegrounds will get, quote, big news, unquote, along with Shadow of the Tomb Raiders, the Forge expansion, and new updates to State of Decay 2. The Forge is coming later this month, so this will probably be its coming out party before the release. The teaser ended by promising more exclusive looks. Described as a global celebration of all things Xbox, XO18 will broadcast live with news and first looks. Microsoft has been aggressively, excuse me, aggressive with its market strategies, most recently introducing a new payment plan for consoles called Xbox All Access that could carry over to next generation, blah, 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 blah. Um, Mac, I know you played the original Xbox. I also know yes. that, I also know that Microsoft, in my opinion, part of the reason they've suffered this gen is because they haven't had enough exclusives. Um, what's your favorite classic Xbox exclusive, man, that, that you think could be remade? And you could think about that for a minute if you need uh, to. You know, honestly, of all the games uh, that I have the fondest feelings for... They don't actually come from the original Xbox, but from the Xbox 360, and that would be Left 4 Dead 1. Yes, dude, that game. Oh, man, those games are so good. Dude, I'll never forget one of the first times we hung out. You know where I'm going with this. You and Mrs. The Mac. I almost just said her real name. Um, You and Mrs. The Mac. I had just moved to the town where you still live, and uh, you invited me out to play zombie games with, uh, with you and some buddies, and I had a blast. And I think I had too much fun because I remember Mrs. Nice Girl calling me partway through and saying, when are you coming home? Uh, so that was a good memory of mine. And I had not played Left 4 Dead much before that. So I actually would like to get back into that game. Man. It's a classic. It's, it's really fun. Um, but anyway, that'd be cool, man. If they, if they did Left 4 Dead, because that was never on PlayStation. If they remade Left 4 Dead, that would be fantastic. Do you think we're going to get a third one ever? That's a good question. Uh, traditionally, Valve has had problems with releasing a third in a series, so I'm not sure. I think I would quite enjoy a Left 4 Dead 3, but hey, I mean, I'll buy it if they make it. It's it's harder now, and I know we're getting on a little bit of a tangent, but I feel like society at this stage, nerd culture is is suffering from zombie fatigue. Um, and at the time Left 4 Dead came out, I don't think that was the case. Now we have The Walking Dead. Um, you know, we have um, State of Decay, Dead Island, and then just tons and tons of zombie movies and stuff. So I don't know if Left 4 Dead has the same um, uniqueness as it did before, but I'd still love to see it come back. That'd be awesome. 
So anyway, good stuff. I hope that they do a good job at this Xbox event. I hope the news for PUBG is something unique to Xbox and not just saying that they're going to catch up with the PC version. So uh, anyway, let's keep things moving. Mac, I don't know if you follow Diablo, the game Diablo. But there was some crazy stuff that went down with it this week in gaming news. This article comes from IGN.com. It says, Blizzard announced Diablo Immortal at BlizzCon last Friday, spurring one of the angriest. I almost think I should leave this for Topic of the Week, but we'll talk about it now. Um, you know what? We're going we're gonna to do this for Topic of the Week. I just changed my mind. I'm calling it Audible. We'll, uh, we'll save this for uh, 15 minutes from now. Let's talk about Super Smash Brothers instead. Uh, this is on IGN.com as well. And it says Super Smash Bros. Ultimate Director Mashiro uh, Sakurai has confirmed that the five yet-to-be-revealed DLC characters for his anticipated fighting game have already been chosen. Sakurai tweeted this information saying that the fighters were picked by Nintendo in conjunction with his input. After being flooded with subsequent recommendations for fighters by fans, Sakurai wrote, quote, it's, a great, it's great to dream about your favorite character joining the battle, and I appreciate your passion, but please try to stay on topic when replying to tweets and refrain from flooding us and other users with requests, unquote. Translation, I didn't ask for your opinion. Please quit atting me. Please. Don't at me. Don't at me, bro. Don't at me with that. Now, here's my thing, Mac. Two questions. I guess it's really one question. Um, they've already decided what the DLC would be before the game even comes out. Should they just release the DLC when the game comes out and not charge people for it? Um, that is a trick question. The answer is always yes. I agree. I mean, but I, I guess to be fair, you know, they're ha they're going to release the game with something like 46 fighters or something. Um, and then to have five more... That's only like 10% more fighters. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. Let me refine that a little bit and say that uh, if you release something and you've already got the DLC ready to go, but you, you know, at, at launch, but you don't incorporate it in launch, then you're kind of being a little bit of a jerk. And that's, that's my thing, too. Why even admit that it's all ready to go? Like, what does that do? All it does is get people to stop tweeting you and requesting that you put a certain excuse me a certain character in because you've already decided but i i don't understand why companies do this like including the dlc on the disc but just making it unlockable totally unacceptable practice why even tell gamers that you already know what the dlc is going to be i don't agree with that um but we'll see i mean I'm, I'm actually happy that nintendo is really starting to embrace dlc and there was a quote from someone um earlier this week it might have been reggie filsami with nintendo he said that he wants to see more um, DLC for the big Nintendo titles like Zelda Breath of the Wild like, even though that's been out for over a year he wants to keep putting out DLC for that it wasn't Reggie but it was someone who said that so Nintendo's moving up uh, we'll take that we'll take that DLC um, next news story comes from Game Informer and it deals with one of the biggest games of the year Red Dead Redemption 2 uh, it says if you've been playing Red Dead Redemption 2 you may have noticed an issue in the game's second chapter, where people who should be important to the gang seem not to be available. While initially fans thought this was part of the game's realistic nature, allowing characters to live their own lives and do their own activities, it seems that this bug is related to the progression of a quest. Quote, if you've completed the mission Polite City Valentine style at the start of chapter 2, but needed to use the retry checkpoint feature, then Sadie, Jack, John, and Abigail will only appear in camp 
when they have missions for you to complete, right, Rockstar? I haven't played this game yet, so I don't understand what it's talking about. Quote, we are aware of the issue and are currently working on a fix to be included in an upcoming title update. So, Mac, um, once upon a time, a bug like this would just be a bug forever. Uh, do you think that gamers, or excuse me, that game companies have more of a responsibility to make sure that these type of bugs aren't in their games? Or do you think that people are getting lazy since they can do updates after the fact? So, uh, yes, I'm going to say that they do have a greater responsibility, but that is primarily because of, in my opinion, what we talked about last legalese, about video games as a product versus a service, um, where video games in general and uh, the companies that make them have decided that they wish to treat video games as a service, if if not explicitly in the way that you are paying repeatedly, uh, you know, a monthly or yearly subscription in order to do it, but in the way that they are treating you as a consumer, as you have no right to, you know, the video game, to your copy, you have a non, you have a, a revocable at any time license to play the game where it is being treated and uh, legally, or at least per their user agreement, they are treating you as being a licensee rather than being a uh, purchaser of the product, then yes, a game company, you know, that it kind of cuts both ways. If you want to treat it like a service, then it's your responsibility to make sure these things get updated and they get patched. That's what you signed up for when you decided to not allow us to buy a copy of the game, but rather to just license the ability to play it from you. So get your act together. It's a really valid point. I, uh, I'm i not even just trying to play devil's advocate. I, I guess the one thing, the, the one thing I might contend on that point that you made is games are so much bigger now than they used to be. And, and they're not on rails, if that makes sense. Like, it's not an on-rail shooter, if you play games, if you play shooters, there's a shooter where, you know, you follow the path and you can't choose your direction and, you know, you're just moving and then you're shooting, you know, whatever comes in your way. A game like Red Dead Redemption is open world. And so I don't know if there's any level of playtesting that could determine every possible bug in a game this massive. Now, that said they have much more manpower than game developers of old did. So I, I do think they have more of a responsibility. And for a game to be extremely buggy, I think is unacceptable, especially a AAA title. Um, <clears throat> at this point, I believe this is the first bug, first major bug that has come out. So, And I that's pretty impressive. It is for a game this big. Um, but, but I'm also with you that when when you treat games as a service then you do owe the people you know a very 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 polished product which i think this game is um, this is just one example now games like one example of bug games like fallout that are you know notoriously buggy um i feel like that's unacceptable as good as those games are uh but it, rockstar i'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt and think this is a one-time thing so Anyway, moving on. What other news stories do we got today? What else do we want to talk about? We talked about Smash. Um, we talked about Xbox. There's a story here about Riot Games. It's kind of huge, so I'm going to read it. Um, read part of it. 
but this is an issue that we've tackled before. I do feel like it's important enough to read again because it is important and Riot is huge. So uh, this is on Kotaku. It says, Yesterday, one current and one former employee of Riot Games filed a class action lawsuit against the League of Legends publisher, accusing it of endemic gender-based discrimination and fostering a, quote, men-first, unquote, environment. The lawsuit comes three months after a Kotaku investigation into the sexist culture at Riot Games. The lawsuit alleges that, quote, like many of Riot Games' female employees, plaintiffs have been denied equal pay and found their careers stifled because they are women. Moreover, plaintiffs have also seen their, their working conditions negatively impacted because of the ongoing sexual harassment, misconduct, and bias which predominate the sexually hostile working environment at Riot Games. Riot, unquote, Riot violated California's Equal Pay Act and the law against gender-based discrimination at the workplace, the complaint argues. Um, so, Mac, I don't know if you saw that recently at Google. I believe it was Google. Yeah, it was Google. Um, a bunch of employees walked out of work across the nation um, due to what they believe is a discriminatory um, culture based on gender. Um, additionally, there was an article that was just written, and I know you don't follow sports, but it was about the MVP of the WNBA. And it was talking about how her annual salary is $57,000 a year from the WNBA. Now, to put that in perspective, uh, the article stated that 18-year-olds who come into the NBA are making at least twice that. And they're not even the most valuable player in the league. So the best women's player is making half of what the worst men's players are making. Um, I don't even want to like throw you a question. Just, do you have any thoughts on this whole this whole issue in general? And if it not, is it's mighty cool. unfortunate. But yeah, no, I mean, I think you, I think you hit it all. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's it's weird and it's unfortunate, and I wish there was more I could do about it. Uh, but what I can say is, just in general in life, if you work hard, um, good things will happen. And and I'm saying that as a black dude who. Uh, has had to work very hard and continues to work hard. So we'll end it on that. Uh, that's been our news for the week. Mac, back over to you. All right. Well, now that we've taken a look at, uh, you know, video games around us right now, let's uh, take a look at the past, appreciate some of our roots. And uh, there are a few games, three notably, that I want to hit today in gaming history, um, the releases of which have either been impactful to gaming in general or maybe just gaming to myself and maybe Mr. Nice Guy. So uh, let's start with uh, 1995. Uh, this week in 1995 saw the release of many excellent games, but Twisted Metal released for the PS1 is one that I want to focus on for a second. So uh, Twisted Metal, I, I, I think I may have mentioned this in the past that the PlayStation 1 is a console that holds, you know, a special place in my heart, primarily because it was uh, it was the first console that I purchased new, and it wasn't back when the PS One, you know, was big and blocky and had that expansion port on the back, but uh, rather when they had released the slim PS One and that awesome uh, sort of screen for playing your PlayStation on the go uh, Dude, had just this. barely yeah, come out. Yeah. It was right then that I that I purchased that slim PS uh, PS One. It took all the money that I had saved up in order to get it, but I got it. 
um, it was really quite uh, it, it was really quite a thing for me. So all of the PlayStation One games that I've played. Um, had a sort of uh well they've got a special place in my heart and twisted metal is not one that i owned personally but it was one that uh that i played a lot i won't say that it was the big one that convinced me that i had to have a ps1 for myself but it was kind of my introduction to the ps1 console in general uh, a good friend of mine in you know school at the time he had twisted metal and i was crap at it absolute crap uh but you know we played we had a good time and uh, i always wound up being the ice cream truck and you know kept it together at least somewhat enough to uh to not get <laughs> to not be so bad as to be booted so uh so yeah uh, but Twisted Metal, I don't know if you have any special memories of Twisted Metal. I don't. I played it very casually, um, but I mm. know that it was at the time the game. You know what I mean? Because it was yeah. wacky. Um, it was it was a little bit over the top, and you know, people who were used to playing Mario Kart, you know, it's 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 a cartoony game. You know, you hit people with shells. T- Twisted Metal was much more of a mature racer at the time, so it was it was a cool game. Now, uh, is Twisted Metal on? Is that one of the games that was going that is going to be on the PlayStation One Mini? Uh, I believe it is. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I, I believe that that was one of the games listed. Absolutely. Sweet. Well, good on them. I think that's probably a good choice. Well, uh, we will. So, for those of you who have not enjoyed Twisted Metal. We'll see what you think when that gets released and uh, a whole new group of people start taking it up. Um, For the next one, I want to look forward a little bit to the year 2001 with uh, the release of Mega Man Battle Network on the Game Boy Advance. So uh, to just kind of, you know, put this all in here, as we know, I am a huge fan of Mega Man. Um so much so that it's it's my favorite you know the games the games are wonderful uh or at least i think they're wonderful um and i had always been a big you know a big fan of the classic series so um the last uh you know the last game in the classic series of you know classic mega man that had been released was mega man and base um that it came out in 1998 now for me personally, the last game that I had played, because I never really got into Mega Man and Base, was Mega Man 8. And so that came out in 1996. So the release of Mega Man Battle Network, which was the next one that I heard of, um, was, uh, was you know, 10 years later. Um, a decade after the last Meg- classic Mega Man title that I had played, it, you know, it came out. And I was super excited um, now, naturally, uh, you know, uh, Mega Man Battle Network, or sorry, sorry, I did my math wrong. <laughs> 1996 to 2001 is in fact not a decade, uh, but rather only uh, only another five years. Gosh, I'm off today. But right, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but anyway, it had been it had been half a decade. And uh, and I went into uh, Mega Man Battle Network expecting, you know, uh, hoping, dreaming, praying for a new Mega Man classic game. And and that's not what I got. Um, and I will point out real quick, if you weren't uh, a kid, you know, in the late 90s, 
or even early 90s, but early 2000s, who had not paid for one of the, uh, for one of the, like the gaming magazines, you had no idea what a video game was like. Um, you know, and IG, or the, the various gaming magazines were not, uh, it, it was, it occupied that situation where like video game magazines, most stores didn't carry them, right? Um, they made room for the more popular, ma you know, magazines, whatever those were. Uh, so if you didn't have a subscription to a gaming magazine, you didn't get to find out what a game was like before you played it. You didn't get to go on the internet and see, you know, game reviews and get good ideas. You know, maybe somebody would do a text write-up. But it was in this situation that I found myself going to pick up Battle Network uh, without actually knowing anything about what it was. Um, and I was kind of pleasantly surprised. You know, a little bit of real-time tactics. Uh, it, it was it was different, but still enjoyable nonetheless. Um, so in its own special way, it kind of carried on that tradition of the of the Mega Man franchise, even though it wasn't the classic series. Not that I really knew that at the time. Um, but uh, but that's Dude, that's you my. Do, you should do reviews like retro reviews. Oh, there there are too many people doing retro reviews, Mister Nice Guy. I would just be screaming into the void, and no one would be listening. Um, I disagree. So uh, disagree all you want. You're now, wrong. Speaking of Mega Man, I don't want to. I don't want to um, take over your segment. But I know you were waiting for the right moment when you could when you could properly devour. Mega Man 11. Um, is that holiday break? When is that going to be? Because I'm curious to get your thoughts on it once you, once well, you do. I'm glad that you asked, Mr. Nice Guy. You see, I don't even need to awkwardly work in this now, so shameless plug, Mrs. The Mac is going to be visiting family for Thanksgiving, just like she was last Thanksgiving. So, for Thanksgiving and, Friday, and Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, I am going to be playing Mega Man's 1 through 11 on uh, on my channel, twitch.tv forward slash action. That's awesome, man. Forget Pokemon. Yeah. I'm going to be watching the stream that stuff. So you're Thanks, gonna do, man. You're going to do that on Turkey Day? On Thanksgiving? Yep. On Turkey Day and in the following day. So I am going to cut myself off at 12 straight hours um, on Turkey Day. So I'm going to start with Mega Man 1, and I'm just going to go through. Now, last time, I was able to get through Mega Man's 1 through, I want to say 1 through 7 uh, in 12 hours. Um, and I'm not really going to be practicing up beforehand, but I will be, you know, but I will be trying to play through as much of it as I can. 7, 8, 9, and 10 last time around took, you know, took like 12 hours in, in their own right. So... Anyway, point being is that uh, what I'm looking forward to is playing that. Unfortunately, this year I didn't make perlers of all the, you know, of all the bosses, uh, you know, of all the bosses and such uh, to give away. So I'm not going to have that going on. But I did actually make a bunch of perlers to give away during that, you know, during that celebration. So, so that'll be a thing as well. But I'm so glad that you asked. So, Mega Man 11, I will play it for the first time um, on Thanksgiving slash the day after Thanksgiving. Sweet. But 
thanks for asking. No problem. Excited to see it. We did not set that up, just in case you guys are wondering. I was really just curious when he's going to play it. Um, so I'll uh, just jump on over to the uh, last one game that I want to talk about for gaming history today, and that is uh, uh, Final Fantasy V Advance, released in 2006 uh, for the Game Boy Advance. Um, now, this game is one that I-, I don't really have anything especially nostalgic about, but I am currently playing it. Um, you know, I'm currently kind of very casually, very slowly working my way through it on my uh, on my Game Boy. So in that way, it holds a slightly more, you know, a slightly more recent, but still some love from me. But uh, that's what I had today for gaming history. Mr. Nice Guy, back over to you, sir. Sweet. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for our next segment, which is a segment that we like to call <clears throat> the topic of the week. Wow, I'm drinking this root beer and it's giving me a lot of uh, a lot of bubbles in my throat. <laughs> Plus, I have a cough. Very unprofessional. Let's move on. So, this week's topic comes from IGN, and I kind of alluded to this earlier. Um, Mac, I know you don't follow Diablo that closely, either do I. But this is something interesting that happened this past week. Um, it says Blizzard announced Diablo Immortal at BlizzCon last Friday, spurring one of the angriest backlashes to a video game reveal I've ever seen, the author says. The Diablo community was expecting big news for the series, despite Blizzard's attempts to temper those expectations. And instead, it got a look at a mobile-only spinoff that didn't do much to satisfy that hunger. The actual quality of Immortal is irrelevant to the anger surrounding it, although we got a chance to play it at BlizzCon and aren't sold yet. This was a marketing disaster more than anything else, and it's one that developers like Microsoft, Bethesda, and Nintendo have shown can be avoided. When Bethesda announced the Elder Scrolls mobile spin-off Blades at E3, it quickly followed it up with a brief 30-second reveal teaser for The Elder Scrolls VI. The studio even used similar phrasing as Blizzard's mobile game announcement, touting Blades as a full Elder Scrolls experience and talking about how far iPhone technology has come. But they did so while acknowledging that their fanbase has expectations for a game more in line with the core series they're familiar with. Microsoft had a similar moment at E3 announcing the Gears Pop mobile game right before Gears 5. Even Nintendo used this tactic last year, showing nothing more than a logo for Metroid Prime 4 after announcing the 3DS remake, Metroid Samus Returns. We haven't heard anything about Metroid Prime since then, but at least fans know it's coming. So anyway, Mac, what happened? I mean, Bethesda announced this mobile game in one of their biggest, uh, most popular franchises, and it's been a long time since Diablo 3 came out, so it's understandable that Diablo fans are ready for a new entry in the series, in the franchise. Um, But the amount of anger... And, and profanity, and I believe that Blizzard even got booed while they were on stage. Is, is this, just from what I've read to you, a marketing fail on their part, or are gamers being too entitled? You know, that is really tough to say, and I don't think I've got a good answer. Um, yeah, however, I, I, oh, my I can... recording software is kind of... Uh, having issues? Kind of looks like it's having issues at the moment. Um, uh, like your audio recording? Yeah, my audio recording, it's no longer... Well, w- we'll press on. If I do get good at audio out of this on the far end, great. If not, we'll you we know, can, keep We can rolling. figure that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Can, I can give my uh, thoughts, unless you have something you want to 
No, I don't think I can fix this on the fly. So I'll just uh, I'll just uh, power forward. Uh, so let's see. Oh yes. So so on the one hand, obviously, if you are in the business of selling a product, uh, pleasing the consumers that you wish to buy your product is an important part of doing business. Um, and when you are as big of a company as someone like, say, Blizzard, or really, say, any type of, uh, of large company, you need to be tuned in to what it is that your viewers are your players are asking for. Sure. Um, now, there's that fine line to walk between, you know, uh, between letting your content suffer for the sake of pandering to, you know, uh, uh, to what people say they want and oftentimes what people say they want isn't exactly what they really want um, not that people you know not that sort of nihilistic oh people don't really know what they want but I think often people are uh, uh, have difficulty at expressing what they want uh, a good example is uh, if you ask what somebody liked about a good film like you know uh, we'll talk about something and be like oh so why did you like better call Saul um I think a lot of people would just be like um it was good uh I wasn't bored when watching it or you know they'd say a lot of things but wouldn't hit on concrete improvable things such as uh I cared about the characters or the you know or or, or the action um really drove me or you know or you know things like that um so oftentimes I think it's not that people don't know what they want you don't have to, you know, be like, ah, well, I know what you want better than you know what you want. You're a bunch of da 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 da, which is kind of <laughs> oftentimes what the opposite side, what the producer side of people, that's the perspective that they usually take. Um, I think the important thing is to recognize that often people are bad at explaining what it is that they want. With that being said, I don't, I, I think that this Diablo spinoff was really prompted not so much by a um, earnest desire on the part of Blizzard um, or to fulfill what they saw as what people were really, what the, what the Diablo crew was really, you know, going out there for. Uh, but I think it had a lot to do with a sort of attempted response to Fortnite mobile. Um and that's just me sort of... I hadn't even thought about that. That's a really interesting take. And that's just, you know, and that's just me sort of opining. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it's no doubt that Fortnite's been insanely successful on the, you know, on the mobile sphere. And I really think that they were trying to, you know, reproduce that sort of thing in, uh, in Diablo. Uh, but that's just my hot take on it. Uh, what are your thoughts, Mr. Nice Guy? You know what? I I feel like there's a certain level of entitlement that we're seeing here. Um, Blizzard made a bad decision. Let's be honest. They made a bad decision in announcing at BlizzCon, <laughs> you know, their biggest stage other than E3. You know, this is their event for their hardcore audience that's there to see specifically their stuff. And announcing one of their biggest franchises in mobile format, um, especially at a time when they had just released Diablo 3 on Switch. So now it's playable basically everywhere. Um, it really would have made sense to follow it up with nothing or with, you know, a new entry in the franchise that's not on your phone. 
Um, I, I, I just it, it boggles my mind that companies think that games on the phone can compete with games on a console. They just can't. I'm sorry, they just can't. Um, and, and I could get into why, but I'm not going to waste time with that. So, did Blizzard mess up? Yes, they did. But at the same time, Blizzard doesn't owe anyone anything. So, to, to be angry, to tweet, to hate, um, you know, to boo, uh, I, I just don't think that it's an appropriate response. So, that's my opinion on it. Let us know in the chat what you think. Uh, and, Mac, that's it for our topic of the week. <coughs> Buddy, back over to you. All right. Well, now we like to take a look at a game that is currently being kickstarted or crowdfunded, if you prefer, because sometimes we don't always go for Kickstarter. But in this segment, which we call Kick or Kickstart, we do ask you to give your determination whether or not you think that there is value or promise in this uh, in this game and to say whether or not you think it should be kicked out of here or should be kickstarted. So uh, we'll go for this one. This is called Hyper Parasite. So it's got a very, it's a, a sort of top-down uh, twin-stick shooter. And for those of you who are not familiar with twin-stick shooters, uh, if you think something like, um, oh gosh, I had it a second ago, uh, Smash TV. Um, or, you know... Have uh, you ever heard of Robotron? Robotron. I don't think so. Okay, it's it's the same type of thing. Yes, yeah, it's the same type of thing. Yeah, okay, it is, yeah. yeah. So Smash TV, Robotron, these types of games where you've got uh, uh, where you uh, shoot and you move around. It's a top-down view. This one is very much a sort of uh, sort of eighties, nineties type of feel to it. Uh, very much uh, the same type of aesthetic as Far Cry Blood Dragon, uh, ninjas and such. But you are actually this parasite. Um, that is trying to take over the world by basically, you know, possessing other creatures that have special abilities and this, you know, top-down shooter as the world tries to repel you. Um, it does look, uh, it does look pretty good. It looks like they've got some solid, uh, you know, some solid mechanics and uh, some solid fun going on there. Now. I will say, usually I try to get at a Kickstarter at the beginning of its campaign, uh, but this is one that has only about, you know, 60 or so hours to go, just a few days left to go on its Kickstarter, and it's only about halfway there, which is a little bit of a shame because it does show a lot of promise. Mm -hmm. So I figured, you know, not that we are going to tip the scale, but who knows, maybe, uh, maybe there will be some additional interest generated so uh friday the 9th is when it'll you know is when it'll uh be either kicked or kick-started by the virtue of its funding goal they're looking for twenty-eight thousand five hundred to make it and they're hoping to deliver for the early bird folks uh to deliver this stuff in uh, in november 2019 uh, so yeah, that's a, a general overall view. As for uh, as for people that they've got working on it, they've got uh, let's see, seven people uh, with each person. You know, I, I know that last time I complained a little bit about Kickstarters or about uh, you know indie devs when you're trying to do something with two developers and you want to get it done in a year, you know that sort of thing. Um, this fortunately has a much better, you know, uh, a, a bigger roster with 
three people on programming, a 2D and 3D artists, some animators and, you know, and designers, um, which they certainly, which certainly in my mind seems, ah, you know, a year out, $20,000, six people, maybe that's a little bit more, more reasonable to do. But, uh, but yeah, they're trying to put it on platforms, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and PC is what they're going for. And uh, I'll have you know, Mr. Nice Guy, that unlike uh, some of the other, uh, some of the other bits, um, putting it on, um, uh, putting it on Nintendo Switch is not actually a uh, a stretch goal or anything like that. They're trying to get it to be put on, uh, put on Nintendo Switch from the get go. No nice. need to fund up to a certain amount in order to get that. Although. Uh, in order to get the, um, I, I don't know exactly if it would be uh, discounted. Um, Twenty nine bucks for the, uh, you know, for the game, um, and uh, I believe you'll have to. I, I believe that includes the uh, the Switch thing. So I don't know if that'll wind up being less expensive to get it there, or if it would be the same as upon release. But that's what they're looking at. I mean, this this actually looks like a really cool game, but I mean, the Switch tier is twenty nine dollars. Uh, yeah, it looks like. I I actually think it looks like it might be forty if I'm reading this right. Either way, that's a lot for a Switch, um, hmm. Switch uh, digital copy. Hmm. I mean, Celeste was amazing, and it was twenty. Um, Hollow Knight is one of the best games I have ever played, it, and it is the best indie game that I've ever played. And it was fifteen um, at full price. I got it on sale for like nine something. So I, I don't know how these folks are justifying this price for this game uh, for a digital Switch copy. But I will say this: looking at the clips that they have on here, the game looks fantastic. It looks like a top-down shooter, but it kind of has like a, a dungeon crawler feel. Um, just looking at these videos, which is something that I think would be right up my alley and something that is perfect for a pickup, you know, hop in, hop out uh, type of game, which is ideal for the Switch. So uh, it stinks that they only have 64 more hours because this is a really, really well put together Kickstarter and the estimated delivery for this game is November 2019. So it's only a year away, um, which... You know, I, I question if they're being too ambitious, only needing $28,000 and thinking they can get it done in a year. But, you know, I, I hope it succeeds. Mac, that's all I got. Mm -hmm. Well, I will say, you know, I've got a big, uh, you know, I've got a big rule about these things. And that is that uh, if you want my money, you better show me the demo. Show me the demo! <laughs> And uh, fortunately, they do have a demo. They've got a pre-alpha build that you can play on Windows. And um, I will just pick a slight nit. And I will say that they've got a lovely banner that says click here to play the pre-alpha build. And it's animated, the banner. But uh, honestly, that needs to go higher. It needs to go even higher on your about page. Yeah. It's got to be click to play. That's got to be the first thing. And then it's an about that's how you that's how you structure these if you want to appease the Mac. But uh, now, that you, being said, did you mention that this is procedurally generated? I did not. Yeah, I'm I'm reading about it. There's a section where it says extreme level replayability, procedurally generated levels, multiple gameplay objectives, grueling waves of enemies and deranged bosses with all with the possibility of looming permadeath. Prepare to die a lot. 
So that adds another dimension to this. Uh, it, it gives it like a, the Binding of Isaac or uh, what's that other game that I've been playing? I don't even remember the name, but it's, it's, it's yes, another. Yes, what have you been oh, playing? Oh, Enter the Gungeon. Enter the Gungeon. We'll talk about it later. Um, it, it gives it that type of feel. You know, you go around, you collect weapons, you can play it again later because the rooms aren't all the same. So that actually makes me hope that this gets funded even more. It looks, it looks cool. Yeah, so uh, that's what I had for this Hyper Parasite. I like the look of it. I enjoy it. And where I can, you know, where you can get a um, a Steam uh, copy of Hyper Parasite for delivery in November for 14 bucks, um, I've got to say Kickstart. It's got a playable demo. It looks good. I like the premise. And even though I'm not good at these types of games... These and uh, and shmups are I'm not good at, but in spite of that, price is right. I think a lot of stuff is realistic. I just uh, hope that it. I just hope that it does get funded. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I, I'm going to say kickstart this as well. I think that the price for a Switch version is absolutely ridiculous. Um, I mean that's that's just how you don't get people to kickstart your product is making it fourteen dollars on one platform, and making it twice as expensive on another. Um, but I mean, it looks like a quality product, um, and I, I hope that they make it. So I'm going to say kickstart. All right, and be sure to let us know in the chat if you're here with us live, uh, whether or not you think this should be kicked or kick-started, and for those of you listening to us after the fact, just yell it out on the bus or on your commute. We are still taking tallies from uh, from the western United States as well as from Chicago. Chicago, that's but, right. Uh, that's, but yeah, that's what we had, a kick-start from me, a kick-start from Mr. Nice Guy, and that's what we've got for kick or kick-start today. Nice. Well, we'll move on to our next segment. Um, it's a segment that I like to call, wait for it, Wait for it. The dummy of the week. 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 A did you feel that cough coming on and delay? I did. You could and get that's it why out? I said wait for it. That's why I said wait <laughs> for it. Now, you know what I just realized, Mac? I might need you to stall for a minute. Yeah, while sure. Well, I pull Perfectly. up the dummy of the week. Do you have anything you want to talk to the people about? Because I, I think I accidentally closed the window. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, absolutely some stuff to talk about. So uh, some of you know that I recently got my PSIO. Uh, you know, it's it's for it stands for PlayStation Input Output. And it plugs into the expansion port on the, on the PS1, on those old PS1s that had an expansion port. And it lets you plug in an SD card in the back and play games off of the SD card. So for those of us who keep struggling with failing, you know, optical drives and other things like that, it is a godsend. And thanks to uh, thanks to a friend who lives not far from Mr. Nice Guy in Chicago, I happen to have my totally legitimately obtained uh, disc images nice. right here on this nice. external hard drive. So uh, so yeah, definitely. Definitely a good day. That's how you do it. Well, on that note, now it is time for our Dummy of the Week, and I have this article pulled back up. So here's the title. Mom took PlayStation away. You know what? Let's not read the title. Let's just read the article. Don't steal my own thunder. 
This took place in Brooklyn, Ohio. It says a Cleveland boy led police on his second high-speed chase with the police in 13 months. This time because his mother took away his PlayStation, police said. The boy was arrested after the crash and is being housed at Cuyahoga County Juvenile Detention Center. Formal charges have not been filed. The 11-year-old boy stole his mother's 2013 Dodge Durango around 10.45 p.m. Sunday after they got into an argument about his mother taking away his PlayStation, according to police reports. Now, in this boy's defense, he lives in Cleveland. There's not a lot to do. LeBron James just left. Just let the boy have his PlayStation, Mom. It's stopping him from running the streets. Stopping him from being out, burning LeBron James jersey, and doing all kinds of crazy, boring Cleveland stuff. It's giving him something to do. It lets him interact with the outside world if he's playing online. Why would you take his PlayStation, Mom? Let's read on. It says, the mother went to bed. She later told police that she noticed her keys were missing and later got a call from the boy's father saying he saw the boy driving the SUV on West 117th Street and Memphis Avenue, according to police reports. Now, that's crazy that the boy and the dad were out at the same time in the same place and the dad just happened to see him are you saying you think he was in on it no i'm saying i think that cleveland is a very small town and there just wasn't a lot to do i know cleveland jokes are kind of corny but i i had to go there it says the boy's father chased after the boy and the boy tried to hide by pulling into the former brooklyn fire station on memphis avenue police said a brooklyn police officer noticed someone pulling into the fire station and stopped to see if they needed help, police reports say. The boy immediately sped off, driving the wrong way on the Memphis Avenue, blowing through stoplights and weaving in and out of traffic, police say. So I'm curious where this 11-year-old boy learned how to drive, probably from the PlayStation, so maybe she should have taken it away. Uh, the chaser officer chased him into Cleveland, and the boy turned off the SUV's lights. According to police, he hit 87 miles per hour on Pearl Road and was driving between 70 and 90 throughout the chase. The officers lost sight of the SUV after about four miles, but another Brooklyn officer got picked up in the chase for another two. That doesn't make any sense. The officer also lost sight of him. Okay, we're not going to read this whole thing. Bottom line, Mac. Mm -hmm. Don't steal cars. But if your mom steals your PlayStation, I guess maybe he thought that the car was the same value as the PlayStation. Maybe he was going to pawn the 2013 Durango and get another PlayStation. I don't know what was going through this boy's mind. He's 11 years old. But I will say this, Mom. Let him have his PlayStation back, and he probably won't steal your car anymore. Also, if a kid steals your key, car keys one time and goes on a high-speed chase, never leave your car keys laying around again. Yeah, I believe the article opened up by saying this was the second chase. Yeah, so it's one of those things, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice. You won't get fooled again. Yeah, I should just give you, fool me twice, I should not take your PlayStation a third time. That's what that means. Mac, that's been our dummy of the week, man. Back over to you. All right, well, as you guys know, we like to close the official segments uh, with a little thing we call legalese. Uh, so in legalese, we like to focus on, you know, a, a little bit, you know, a semi-legal view or legality view on what, you know, on video games, whether that's, you know, lawsuits going on right now, uh, stuff that have got us to where we are today, um, you know, historical stuff or otherwise. And, um, and today, I just want to focus on an interesting lawsuit uh, brought against uh, brought against 
EA games. So let me just uh, scroll down to it. All right. Um, no, it's not that one. Oh, where is it? Where is it? Oh, Mr. Nice Guy. All right. Um, I'm going Do to. I need uh... to talk for a minute. Oh, nope. I got it. I found it. I found it. So um, the uh, case in question uh, came out in 2008. Um, let me just find it. His Eldridge. Eldridge. Ah, Eldridge v. Electronic Arts uh, brought in the Northern District uh, Court of California in 2008. And here's what happened. So uh, Richard Eldridge in 2008 brought this suit against EA Games where uh, he downloaded a free, uh, it was a, a shareware version, uh, trial version of the game Spore. Um, and in this trial version of the game Spore, uh, it contained... Now, now remember, this is, this is free, distributed, shared alike. But when he downloaded it and opened it, it also downloaded a DRM program, a digital rights management program, that was installed onto his computer without his knowledge, without his agreement, without any... or without being mentioned anywhere... And once it was installed, it permanently disabled nine specific DVD, CD reading and writing applications for the computer. At the very least, nine specific things, such like Alcohol 120 or uh, Image Burn and such. It also disabled the Process Manager, which you may recognize um, as a program that's been a part of Microsoft's, you know, it's distributed by Microsoft and it's been a part of Windows since Windows XP. Um, the DRM was uh, basically, for all intents and purposes, non-removable after having uh, been installed. And the lawsuit came about because Richard Eldridge said, hey, you have put a open back door on my computer for malicious hacking. And it is malicious hacking by its own, you know, by just defining it itself because you didn't ask me if you could put this on there. I did not, this is not protecting your software uh, because you have freely distributed this Spore free trial version of the game that only, you know, gives you so much functionality or what have you. It's like, you guys, EA Games, have have essentially hacked my computer. And you did so under the guise of giving me a free trial version of a video game. And that's not right. Um, so... I, I, I just want to throw this out there as one thing that we, uh, thankfully, thanks to, you know, lawsuits like this, uh, at least we're not aware of any other DRM methods that have been quite so proactive and draconian even. But uh, sometimes when DRM rears its ugly head, it can be quite crazy uh, because naturally this does, you know, does help like a company preserve its own software. But I mean, it was distributed with a free shareware version of a game that turned off, that disabled your CD DVD burning uh, capabilities with, you know, and granted it was with several programs that are known for being used to burn video games. But, you know, there are many other reasons why you could use that 
And doing that kind of stuff is very shifty, guys. Very shifty, EA. Very shifty, indeed. So uh, that's just a little bit of legalese. Uh, there's some more that I want to say about DRM, but I think I'm going to save that for next time as we're coming up on one hour. Uh, so stay tuned for next time. We're going to talk some more about some more legalese surrounding DRM. And this case that we just talked about is going to feature somewhat prominently. So you don't want to miss next time. And uh, that's what I had today for legalese. Fantastic. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that's been our show. Uh, at least the normal segments of our show. We like to do one last thing before we leave where we talk about what we've been watching and what we've been playing, where we talk about just those things, uh, the nerdy stuff we've been into. Now, Mac, it's election night. A lot of people are tuning into that, and we understand that. Um, so typically we ask our viewers to post in the chat what they've been into, but this week let's just talk about what we've been into. Uh, and if you're here and you want to let us know what you're into, let us know. But Mac, do you want to lead off? Sure. So what I've been watching, I've been, uh, Mrs. The Mac and I have been enjoying some community. Um, we've been watching through that series. Uh, I myself have been uh, re-watching Breaking Bad. Ooh, that's awesome. Uh, slow, yeah, slowly but surely. But ever since I finished up with, uh, with Better Call Saul, I've really been thinking, you know, I want to watch Breaking Bad again. Because when I finished with Better Call Saul, I thought Better Call Saul is the best. It's the greatest. It makes but it makes breaking. Unfortunately, due to various recording issues, we wound up having a little bit of a problem with the end of this episode. But that's all right because you get the general idea and you've heard it enough. You can join us for Two Nerds in a Pod live, 8 p.m. Mountain Time, 9 p.m. Central Time at twitch.tv forward slash Two Nerds in a Pod. Remember to keep it nerdy, y'all.